Here we go, here we go, another one, another one, another message that I believe the Lord has laid on my heart for today, and the title is Love is Forward. Love is Forward. I mean, we can just sit down for about an hour and just meditate the title, Love is Forward, which means love is not backward. And to qualify what I mean, but it's really in the context of what we have been speaking over the many weeks now, um, about love leading us, that God is love, God is light, God is truth, and that He He is not just one versus the other, or 10% light and 20% love. He is all light, He is all love, and He is all truth. And, and so truth leads us, and love leads us, and God leads us, and light leads us. We looked at maybe about four weeks ago about the good shepherd um, love leading us that he laid down his life for us and that he's a true shepherd and that the sheep know his voice and where the shepherd uh, speaks to go the little sheep go and so the lead of the holy spirit is truly uh, the lead of the mind of god the lead of the Holy Spirit is truly the lead of the mind of God. What a profound statement. I haven't really said this before, but the lead of the Holy Spirit is the lead of the mind of God because we know what the word Paul writes to the Corinthians there, that the Holy Spirit seeks those deep things that are of the mind of God. And so when we are led of the Holy Spirit, you see, we hear so many subjects on, on the Holy Spirit or the lead, and we just tune everything out. We just just tune, it, tune, tune out. Got that, got that down. And then Monday comes and you're like pulling your hair out. Why is it not working? Because you're distracted. When the message is being released of the Holy Ghost, you're distracted because we're not putting value to that which we hear that is of the Word of God. We've so trained ourselves to just show up for a service. We've so trained ourselves to just hear another message. And we are really missing major leads of the Holy Spirit. We're, we're really missing instrumentations and instruction and, and, and major help for our week, for our day. We are really missing utterances that really are to build us up, to strengthen us for what's coming ahead because God knows what's coming ahead. So when I say love is forward, love is not backward. Love will never take you back to your past for you to reminisce over something you've lost. Love will never take you to a moment of failure. Love will never take you back to a place where you really messed up and you walked away from God for a season. God will never revisit that season with you because he's forward. God always leads us forward. God always leads us by the way of truth. He always leads us by the way of love. He always leads us by the way of light. And there is no shadow of turning. There's no shadow of turning of God. And so God is a forward God. And that's why here we have, if we go to Luke 9, Luke 9, 57. This is Jesus and his disciples walking in it, it 57, chapter 9, Luke now it happened as they journeyed on the road. A few weeks ago, we talked about the journey on the road. We looked at the road uh, to Emmaus and Damascus and, and uh, the woman that traveled to the well, the Samaritan, and, and about the journey of life. That in the, On the journey of life, we encounter the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, so now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And we have all been in services where we have a sense of the presence of the Lord in a more tangible way of an awareness, really, because he ever lives in me. So uh, just because there are days I'm not tangibly sensing him doesn't mean he's not with me. He is actually in me. But there are moments in corporate worship, especially, and under the inspiration of, of, of a preacher, um, of the one behind the pulpit, that... We, we really want to give our life fully to God. And so this is, this is the heart of this particular man. And he's walking alongside of Jesus. He says, you know, he's sensing that the, Jesus is divine. You know, there are just moments when you read the word and suddenly it gets quickened and you're like, oh, it's God himself. And so here this man says, Lord, I'll follow you wherever you go. 
And Jesus from the get-go, there's nothing romantic about Jesus. There's no romanticizing the Christian walk about Jesus. Jesus is very sober. He walks in such sobriety. That he never makes flippant promises. He never makes promises that are that feel very comfortable to my flesh. And off the bat, here is this man who's really inspired by Jesus, walking alongside of Jesus, and he's saying a really big statement. God, I, I want to, I want to follow wherever you go, wherever you go, Jesus, wherever you go, I'm for you. Wherever you go, Jesus, I'm going. I'm going. Wherever you go, I'm going. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And I know all of us have read this before. All of us have read this before. And we have an understanding. The one understanding is that, like for me, the way I have always read this is that the only place I lay my head on is Jesus. That really, my Christian walk is not about a comfort. My Christian walk is not about a personal comfort. It's not about a personal sense of betterment, so to say. Of, 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 of an earthly essence, maybe is a better way to say it. It's not of an earthly betterment, but it's of a heavenly gain. And as I'm walking, under the lead of truth, love leading me, it's always forward and it's always a forsaking of what was. It's always a forsaking of a comfort. But this time when I read this, the emphasis it was really because of the title he gave me and the way he wanted to lead uh, the utterance today. It's his utterance as I yield. He, he's, my desires, he directs the utterance that he's saying, Man has nowhere to lay his head because love is forward. Love is not backward. Let me go back to my house. Love doesn't park. Love has nowhere to lay down, so to say, but it's a constant forward motion. And that's why Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way. What do you do on the way? You don't just sit down on the way. You walk the way. So everything about God is a forward momentum. It's a forward motion. It is a walk. Just like Father Abraham walking before God. He tells us to walk before him. And so it's a forward walk all the time. There's never a moment where, and you know, I think that, that way the flesh is concerned, especially for me personally, Jesse Schneider has been this moment of, can I just park? Can I just like, just park? Just, just, you know, we've obtained some ground, God, we've attained some ground. And now, now, you know, I have some revelation, God, and I really like just, just me and you, God, let me just sit on the chair and just park. Let me just park. <laughs> Love is forward. Love always leads us by the way of truth. Love is the way. Love is the way. Love is the truth. Love is the life. And love leads us into greater life. That's why we go from what? From glory to glory. And right at that moment, we're seeing a progression. It's not a backward regression. It is a forward progression. So God is all about progress. So this man had a, a heart that he said, you know, God, I, I want to follow you. I want to go where you're going. I want to go after you. And, and, and Jesus brings forth a great sobriety. Well, you know, you got to keep walking then. You, you got to keep walking then. Because I've got nowhere to lay my head. I'm not of the earthly realm like the foxes with the holes and the birds of the air and the nest. I'm not of the earth. <laughs> I'm not earthly. I'm heavenly. That's what Paul writes to Philippians. That Jesus came into the world. Though, you know, he, he knew he was equal with God. And yet he, 
he he disrobed divinity, so to say, and 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 and, and came the the word became flesh and was robed with humanity. But he was not of this realm. He never is of this realm. And so we now, in our new birth, are not of this realm. We're after the heavenly man. And the heavenly is a constant momentum. There's no stagnation. Look at a river. Look at the ocean. Look at every living creature breathing. A newborn baby. There's a breathing. There's a motion. There's a movement. What does not have movement? That a corpse that is dead. But everything about God of life is of movement divine, of a rhythm divine. It's a, it's a heavenly rhythm. The heartbeat. We have limbs to be moved. Everything about us is about movement. And so, and then Jesus says to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and preach the kingdom of God. At times we read that and we're like, is he hard-hearted? Is God like really like a tough master? No, no, no. There is a snare in the lingering behind among the dead. There is a snare in staying put for a little longer. When, when you encounter the living Christ, and I love the encounter of Paul that was on the road to Damascus. He had to be on the road because just how Paul was built. Paul was built to be on the road. And all the journeys of Paul, he had to encounter him on the road because that marked the very Christian life of Paul, the road. He was on the road all the time. Our Christian walk is always on the journey. This journey on the road. And so then another also said, Lord, I'll follow you. Here's the condition. But let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. So this guy thinks he's stepping it up a little bit. I'm not going to wait till they all die off. I'm just going to say bye. Just say bye. Is that what Lot's wife was, was doing? Saying bye. Look back. Just to say bye. Just closure. I just want closure. <laughs> What did Jesus say to him? What did Jesus say to him? To the one that really could say was the least mild. What's wrong with a goodbye? Everything. Because in the kingdom of God, there's never farewell. There's only hello. In the kingdom of God is forward. No one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. No one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. What a challenging statement. Once you come into the kingdom of God, you start moving with God and your hands are on the plow. And really, I see that as the work of the Holy Spirit. There's no looking back. As soon as we look back, that looking back momentum disqualifies us. Not fit for the kingdom of God. And we know that's how Jesus, let's go to Hebrews. It's really where we finished last time. Last time's message was love endures. I recommend I mean, I know they're lengthy. They're over like 40 minutes. Most of them about 50 minutes. The last few messages that we started love endures before that was love never gives up and just if you go back over the last four weeks uh, there was the one with the good shepherd as well the title escapes me at this moment but this has really been very much of a building block and there's been a lot of revelation and so let's go to Hebrews 12 where we finished last time 
Therefore, we also, since now, we can get a better context of this verse now. When we read Luke and his instruction to the disciples, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us what? Lay aside every weight. Let us lay aside every potential moment that wants to make you look back, to go bury it. Hey, you know, I'm thinking of, you know, with psychology, it's really big. Like, you know, just revisit your past and bury it. Or, or just, no, we don't need to bury nothing. It's already buried. If I'm not in it, it's done. It's done. I've moved on. I've moved on. I've moved on. I don't need to bury anything anymore. I'm a brand new creation now. That life is no more. I'm born from above. That old life was the one that was born from the earthly. And flesh counts for nothing. Why would I pamper it? Why would I want to go say goodbye to it? I should be running away from it. Thank God I'm set free. Glory be to God. I wouldn't want to go kiss it goodbye. It's dead already. And so now, now I am set on this course, on the journey of this divine road that is leading me forward. And we to what? To run, lay aside every weight in the sin that so easily, and I, I, I hate that. How fickle this flesh is that we can be so easily ensnarable. But you see, in Christ, in this new creation, and as you build yourself up in your most holy faith, and you know, prayer is a big part of it. You fellowship with, with the believers as another part. You, you fellowship with the Holy Spirit. You time in the Word. You, um, times in God, walking with God is a fortification so that you would not trip up. So it wouldn't be such an easy entanglement anymore. But you're so minded of the heavenly. You're so minded of the call. You're so mind, just like Paul. Minded of the heavenly vision. That you can now walk this walk with great perseverance and endurance, not looking back. Because as soon as you look back, you grow faint. As soon as you look back or you reminiscence or the memories, they make you weak. They make you faint. But when we're mindful of those things that he has spoken to us, when we're mindful of the higher order of life, the divine life, we're being inspired. We're stirring up this gift of God and we can now withstand all things. And run with endurance this race that is set before us. You see again, it is set before us. It's set before us. I want to follow you, Jesus. He says, well, walk the walk that's set before you. Walk the walk that's set before you. It's amazing. You know, he didn't put it like, I don't want you to follow me. Jesus didn't say that. So here is, here are these, these three men that we just read in Luke that it had a desire to follow Jesus. And he didn't disqualify each one. But they potentially could have disqualified themselves. The first on the basis of, I want a home. I want to lay my head somewhere. I'm not talking about physical phone, a home either. I'm talking about the security. The security nest, is that what they call Build a security nest, all that worldliness. I want, I want some comfort. I, I want something that's mine that I, I can trust. Yeah, I was like, I, I, I want to wait until they all die off because, no, I, I want to be like a, a, a good son. I, I want an inheritance. I want them to put me in their will. And the other ones, I just, let me just say goodbye. He just stated the truth. And they could choose which side on that truth they would be. That's amazing. You never God would never disqualify you, but he is truth. And in that moment, you will decide which way you go. I like to think that all three of them followed him. But we knew that on the day of Pentecost, there were only 120 in the upper room. We knew that out of 12, there were only 11. Because narrow is the way that leads to life. But broad is the way that leads to destruction, which is the way of the flesh, the way of the world. 
But he said, run with endurance the race that said before us, looking, looking unto Jesus. Jesus, this is how he walked. <laughs> this is how he ran his race. This is how divinity walks earth. Focus on the higher call. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, and that is pure dominion. He was able to withstand all, persevered through all, counted as nothing for the gain that was set before him. I'm thinking of Paul saying that as well in Philippians. I want to look at the Passion Translation of the same verse here in Hebrews 12, especially verse 2. We look away from the natural realm. That is a big key to, to the forward walk. You can't walk forward and look back. You can't, you're going to trip up. You're going to trip up. You're going to, why would you want to trip up? I don't want to trip up. I've tripped up so many times. But we have to look away from the natural realm and we fasten our gaze unto Jesus. That's a strong word. You fasten your gaze because there's distractions, there's memories, there's, there's past situations that want to engage you. There is, the, the, there is well-meaning people as well. The, I mean, there's the pullback is the pullback, <laughs> the pullback coupled with your desire of your flesh to just park. To just rehash one more time your past. When God says run, God says go. Go into all the world and preach. He says go. He doesn't just say stay put and wait, wait. Yeah, there is a place of waiting in the Lord, but that on its own is a forward momentum because the waiting is really is when you're fastening your gaze on him. And that is a forward momentum. Just the manner of your gaze going forward, you already are in the forward motion. It really, your gaze determines which way you go. That's why it says, don't look behind. Don't take your gaze away from the natural realm, but fasten it unto, fasten it. Fasten our gaze unto Jesus who birthed faith within you, who has brought this inspiration of divine life within you, who has spoken the word of life to you. Gaze upon him who is your life now. Who leads us forward. I love this. And that's how the title came. It came from the wrapping up of last Sunday's message. Who leads us forward. Love is forward. Love leads us forward. Into what? Faith's perfection. Into faith's perfection. The maturing of the love of God. Because faith works through love. It brings forth a maturity. This walk that is forward is, is a, it's is a grown up walk. We, we growing as we're walking. I talked about endurance and one of the definitions of the, the, the word um, whether I, I don't know if it was the noun of it or the, the verb of it, I went back to uh, bearing under, bearing under. Because it's it, the bearing under the challenge, the bearing under challenges. I, and I, at that moment, I saw like a heavy weight lifter bearing under that weight and pushing it up and out. And that, 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 there, there is a triumph in it. I'm not succumbing to it. I'm bearing under and I'm pushing it out of the way. Endurance. I'm overcoming all the time in this forward motion. Leads us forward into faith's perfection. I love the wrap-up of verse of chapter 11, just up above in the Passion Translation. After he, he talks about all the heroes of faith. You know, if we go to 39, these were the true heroes we talked about Moses and Noah and Abel and David and Jephthah and Samson and Gideon. These were the true heroes commended for their faith, yet they believed in hope without receiving the fullness of what was promised them. But now God, because that was Christ that was promised to them. Christ was promised to him. And so now we have this reality of the Christ life within us. What are we 
toeing toeing with the Christ life within us. We're not to live as mere human beings and our conversations be marked with the conversations of the world. But now God has invited us to live in something better than what they had. And this is it. Faith's fullness. This is so that they could be brought to finish perfection alongside of us. This is so that they could be brought to finished perfection alongside of us. And so when we run this race of perseverance and we're taking our gaze off the natural and we're fastening our gaze unto Jesus who has already run the race and endured and overcome it all and conquered it all. He's leading us forward into faith's perfection. And as we are maturing, so many more are walking into this perfection. And that's why, that's why beginning of chapter 12 in Hebrews is we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. They're cheering us on because they too are benefiting from this run. How profound is that? That's what the word says. It's what we just read. The New King James of 11.39, And all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise, God having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. And right after, he says, you're running before this crowd that's cheering you on. Because this crowd, that there is a, a place that they have in being perfected with us that they should not be made perfect a part of us. You see, because we are one in the body of Christ. Because he has reconciled all things in the body of Christ. Whether in heaven or on earth, he has reconciled all things in the body of Christ. And the ultimate perfection is to be found in the oneness of the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a new creation reality. And we now hold on to the head. And from the head, all the ligaments are strengthened to keep us all together. So powerful. And that's why, let's go to um, 2 Timothy now. We read here, we, uh, we've read this verse last week, but we'll, we'll continue from here again. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3. You therefore must endure. You must endure. And again, what we just read, <laughs> you must endure hardship. Some translation says uh, suffer sufferings, sufferings. <laughs> Here the, um, the strongs actually starts that verse, join me in suffering. Paul writing to Timothy, join me in suffering. Like a good soldier of Christ. Let's read that again. Join me in suffering. That word suffering is to suffer hardships together with. To suffer hardship in company with. Well, it, it is hardship. If we go back to Luke 9, you know, just what Jesus said. Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Or, or the part follow me or the other part let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom or the other one. No one having put his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. This is what defines a soldier. Follow me defines you as a soldier of Christ. They all wanted to follow him, but did not realize that you have to be a soldier to follow him. They got to partake of his sufferings. And Paul talked about partaking of the sufferings of Christ. Join me in suffering. I'm going to read that verse in the Strong's. Join me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. My King New King James says, You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And we go here, verse 4, no one engaged in warfare, no one engaged in warfare, what? What, Jesus? You mean following you is engaged in warfare? I signed up for war, Jesus? 
You mean I signed up for war? I don't want to fight. I want to go tend to the dead. I want to say goodbye. <laughs> Let's do three again. You therefore must endure a hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Where else have we heard of pleasing God? What else do we know that pleases God? Faith is the only thing that pleases God. And Paul writes to Timothy, fight the what? The good fight of faith. I have faith, I believe, I believe, I have faith, I believe, I believe. Oh, you in war, buddy? War, it's war. You're in faith, then you're in war. I know, I'm stirred up, I'm a bit loud. I'm talking to myself. You're in war. I want to have faith. I want to have faith. You have faith. This faith is not a goddess. But are you enlisted in the army? Are you engaging that faith? Because if you are, you are in war. You're in war. Talk about spiritual war. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him. What? As a soldier? I just wanted to follow Jesus. I just want to sit at his feet and listen to his word, Jesus. I just, I want to be a little bow my sheep with Jesus. <laughs> I, I, I just want to lean onto his chest like John with Jesus. <laughs> yes, and we are. But it looks like war. Because they're contending against the leaning unto Jesus. They're contending against the sitting at his feet to hear his word. They're contending and following him. That's the war. It's called flesh. It's called spiritual climate. But we have overcome it all. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life. That he may please him who enlisted him a soldier. I'll read the Strongs of that verse. A soldier refrains. He reigns in. He refrains from entangling himself in civilian affairs in order to please the one who enlisted him. That word to enlist, enlisted him is to collect an army, to enlist troops from a co compound of the base of Stratia and Lego to gather as a warrior. He's gathered us as a warrior. He's gathered us as a warrior. So when he walked, uh, he, when he walked around the Sea of Galilee, when he walked, he was enlisting warriors. Follow me to Matthew and Peter and, and James. He was enlisting an army. Is that what they wanted, an army? But of a different kind, he was enlisting in an army. Of a victorious kind. Of an overcoming in the spirit realm, army. Because all things are done in the spirit. You change a spiritual climate, you change political climate. You change spiritual climate, you change a family climate. You change a spiritual climate, you change a church climate. That's what we're about. We are the church of the living God, the ecclesia, the ruling governing body of God on earth, an army. To enlist soldiers. Amazing. It's in the sense of pick up or choose. He chose us. He picked us up as an army. Now, I wanted to look at to refrain from entangling himself. That word entangling, to enfold, to entangle, to be involved in. And he said, no one in, engage in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life. Here it's civilian affairs, the affairs of this life. So going back to the word entangle is... Um, 
to weave in. You become one with the issue. Become one with the issue. We're supposed to be one with God. We're supposed to be one with the Word. We're supposed to be one in Him, in God. To weave in, to intertwine, to involve with, to get involved with affairs of the world. Wow. Entwine. And he says, there's no entwining. There's no entwining with the affairs of the world if you want to be part of the army of God. And that's why he was very specific. He gave us some, well, bold, bold moments really to the, uh, in Luke 9 was to do with family, you know, civilian affairs, the, just that which is dear and precious to all of us. God is God and God alone is served. We serve no other. The other really sobering moment, I was debating what I should read, but it, it, it just, it, I have to read because the other time the say, this word is used in the Strong's, it's, it, it, it shows us it, this word entangled being used twice, twice only in the New Testament. This is the one time and the other time is in 2 Peter 2.20. It's about going back. The whole chapter here, the whole chapter in Second Peter chapter 2 is about reverting, going back. And, and the context is, is the pig being washed, returning back to the mire. So uh, let's see. Let's start at 19. Well, let's go 18. 18. For when they speak great swelling words of emptiness, they, what? Allure through the lust of the flesh. That's how you get engaged in the affairs of the world, through the lust of the flesh. They allure. It just sounds good to the ear. Through the lust of the flesh, through lewdness, the ones who have actually escaped from those who live in error. So there's a luring back. You know, God has just escaped you. He has just rescued you. He's rescued you. Now, here come the false ones. They want to lure you back. They want to lure you back. And the very ones to be lured back, they have already escaped. The ones who have actually escaped from those who live in error. Verse 19, while they promise them liberty, they themselves are slaves of the of corruption. For by whom a person is overcome, by him also he is brought into bondage. And that's really a, a big trip up of one that's just born again, one that just got born again, and here come the old friends. And now there's a spirit at work in the old friends, and it's really to hold you back. But that's all true for any time you, you start running stronger, even within your Christian walk, and, and you always will have like, People within even the Christian community at times, like, like, do you have to be so radical? Like, do you have to be so extreme? Like, really? Like, can we just tone it down? Like, can you just fit in the, just, just, fit, just, 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 just hush down a little bit. Just like there with the blind bird turmoil says, hush, hush, hush. Son of David, have mercy on me. And all those around him are trying to hush him down. Verse 20, for if after they have escaped the pollution of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again, what? Entangled in them and overcome. The latter end is worse for them than the beginning. For it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them talks about a dog returning to its vomit. The word is very sobering. The word is very sobering. This is true spiritual reality. And that's why we've been enlisted into an army. Because it is war. There is a hold back that wants to happen on us. There is a trip up that's constantly wanting to be administered to us. And we're called to run this race with perseverance. We're called to run without looking back. We're called to, what? Turn our gaze off the natural realm and fasten our gaze unto Jesus. 
here if we go to 1 Corinthians. Um, actually, in, you know, I want to read, in light of what I just read, that the latter end is worse to, to the one who does go back and gets entangled in the affairs of the world. And that's a major walking away from the Lord. Um, I don't identify with that part. In, in terms of like that's I, I read this piece of scripture because it's almost like a warning. It's not safe to look back. It's not safe to go back. There's great danger. And of course, the mercy of the Lord is there. The Holy Spirit will constantly nudge you. He'll nudge you. He'll, he'll nudge you. Come this way. Come this way. Come this way. It's not an overnight moment. This doesn't just happen overnight. It's, it's, it's subtle in the hardening of one's heart. But is there a danger in looking back? Yes. And that's why I read it, that we don't need to entangle ourselves with those affairs of the Lord, especially after we've been rescued from it, because there is a danger of a major slip up. Because here in Luke, in Luke, um, what is it? 11, is it? 26, I believe. Actually, 24. Well, this is the words of Jesus. When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he, he goes through dry places seeking rest and finding none. He says, I'll return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it swept and put in order. And then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits. Just the wickedness of Satan. I hate that. Just gang on on someone that's found in, in, in a weak moment. And really it was Satan who brought forth the weakness and the temptation. That's, that's why it's an army. It's, it's war. You have to be sober. There, there is an adversary that wants to gang up and not to live life afraid. Absolutely not because we have, we've been raised above all things. We now live in the heavenly place of pure dominion of authority and we have the name of Jesus and we bear the image of the heavenly, but we, the flesh, as long as we walk on this earth, there's a constant contending. Because of the flesh. And that's why we're not to know ourselves after the flesh. Because that's the biggest trip up. I can't pamper and feed my flesh. Because it's, it's the ultimate ensnare, ensnarement. And that's why the word says, out of the flesh, one reaps corruption. If you sow to your flesh, out of your flesh, you will reap corruption. So here, this is the issue right here. That the spirit that's been cast out goes back and sees the house swept. He goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. And so because of it now, we are sober-minded, and we're going to run this race, and we're not going to look back. We're going to run, and we will not look back. If we go to, I think, 1 Corinthians 9, 24. Do you not know that those who run in the race all run, but one receives the prize and this is it. Run in such a way that you may obtain it. You see, it's, it's a goal. It, there, there's a focus to our run. And the focus is forward. That's why I said love leads us forward because that's what he says. I just quoted the Lord. Love leads us forward. And because, because of it, there's safety. See, when you're always going forward, there's safety because now you're not looking back. You're not reverting like a dog back to your vomit. You're not looking back. When you're forward gazed, you're forward gazed. And it's a forward momentum. And so he says, run in such a way to obtain it. I mean, think of a track, Olympic track. They never have a track that goes backward. How are they competing? They're competing in a forward race. It's everyone's going forward. And those that just sat on their behinds refused to run. Well, they're disqualified already. They self-disqualify themselves. He says, run in a way to obtain the prize. And everyone who competes for the prize is what? This is it. Temperate in all things, self-controlled. You're reined in. You're refraining from engaging in the affairs of the world. You're refraining from that conversation. You're refraining your gaze from looking that way. You're refraining. You, 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 you are in an army now. You're running in the, in the way that you, you to obtain, to obtain the prize, the crown of righteousness that's set, set for us. That on that day, the judge eternal, the Lord Jesus Christ, will give to us. Just like he gave to Paul. If we quit not. 
And that's why when I talked about that the love has guts, love has guts, that message, the Lord spoke to me that the guts of love is really faith and that faith is, is, is given to us now to walk this walk. And the biggest thing for why guts was required is not to quit. Not so much, not, to, not so much about winning because we've already won. Christ has won it all. But now I walk in that victory that I already have. But if I quit, I disqualify myself. And so we are to be temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore, I run. This is Paul saying it. Therefore, I run thus, not with uncertainty. I don't just like, like I, I, don't, I don't run all over the place. I don't flip and flop and slide and then I run. I have a focus. I, I am walking in self-control and it's a gift of the Holy Spirit. I run thus not with uncertainty, thus I fight, not as one who beats the air. There's a real target. You aim and you hit, and it goes down, and you walk. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body, and there's a key to this. I bring my old man under submission. I tell my flesh, what my flesh is to do. I have disciplined my body and I bring it into subjection. Lest, this is Paul writing, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. And you know, it goes into real sobering text thereafter. I'll just read the first couple of, of, of verses. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware Paul saying, I don't want you to be unaware that all of our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, all ate the same spiritual food and they all drank the same spiritual drink, but they drank of that, for they drank of that spiritual rock, which is Jesus, that followed them and that rock was Christ. But what? With most of them, God was not well pleased for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Well, we just referred to two moments where God, what pleases him? Faith. And what pleases him is not to be engaged in the affairs of, of the world. You live. You live to please the one who's enlisted in this army. You live by faith. You disengage of the world. And you please your heavenly father. Actually, while we are here, there is a, go, 2 Corinthians 5. This is the heart of Paul. The heart of Paul right here, where he just said, by discipline, I'll just read this again. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and I bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. 2 Corinthians 5, 11. Knowing, therefore, the terror, or that's the fear of the Lord. We persuade men, but we're well known to God, and I also trust are well known in your conscience. What he's saying is spiritual reality. Be sober-minded as to who God is. Be sober-minded that you will give an account of the life that you live in the body. Be sober-minded to run this race with perseverance, looking unto Jesus. Be sober-minded to disengage from the affairs of the world. And, and as you are, persuade men. And that word persuade is pato. It's the root word of faith. It's the root word of faith. Persuade men. Is, 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 you know the fear of the Lord. You know that those in the Old Testament, they, 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 they were baptized into Moses. They drank from the rock of Christ and yet they were displeasing to God. Because you know the fear of the Lord. Now persuade men. Teach them faith. So powerful. And that's why he was on the road all the time in a forward motion. He was called to preach the gospel. He was called to preach this, this, this message of of this great divine mystery of Christ in us. So no longer I, and that was what he wrote to, 
Let's go. Galatians 2.20. This was Paul's reality. Because this was Christ's reality. This is the Christ's reality within all of us. Well, let's go 19. For I through the law died to the law that I might. Did I say Galatians 2.19? Yeah. I died, I died to the law that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. I don't battle to natures no more. That old man is dead. And I, 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 I tell it it's dead. I keep it in, in, in the subjection. I keep it under submission. I'm always exercising dominion over the dead man. I give it no life. See, because resurrection lives in us, we can actually give things life. I give it no life. I give it no life. Because I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God. I trust the grace of God. I trust the grace of God to keep me. I don't set aside the, the grace of God. For if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. I just want to look at one verse. I'm going to wrap it up. We're done. In uh, Paul to Timothy again. Here. This is the key right here. One of many, but. Uh, for 2 Timothy 1.13, hold fast the pattern of sound words. Hold fast the pattern of sound words. That's one way you are, where you're led forward. You're led forward by the utterance of the voice of God. You're led forward by the voice of God. You're led forward by the voice that's constantly saying, follow me, follow me. Hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed to you, keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in you. Keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in you. How do we walk? By engaging with the Holy Spirit. How do we keep pressing? By yielding to the Holy Spirit. How do we lay hold and, and hold fast to this word of righteousness that is propelling us forward? By keeping it by the Holy Spirit. The engagement that we have. We have now supernatural ability to run this race by the power of the Holy Spirit. That every word that's uttered out of the mouth of God is supernatural enablement to keep us running forward. And never once would there be an ensnarement to look back because now we're so captivated by the Holy Ghost on this forward run that there is absolutely no desire to look back and there is no thought. I'm single-minded on the one that has called me to run the race. I'm single-minded on the one who's called me by name. I'm single-minded on the one that's leading me forward unto victory, from victory to victory, from glory to glory, forever, eternal life, more and more and more and more. Hallelujah. We are done. Thank you. Praise the Lord Jesus.